You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, it is good to be with you all this morning. Um, let me say right out the gate today, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, if you've been here any bit of time, you know I can get a little bit preachy. Um, today, I promise I'm not going to get a little bit preachy. It's going to be, for last service, someone said amen when I said that. Um, but today, I want us to look at today as a little bit more of a Bible study. Um, we're going to be going through maybe a little bit more scripture than we typically do. But I think it's so important that we look at one of the things that God has done that in my estimation, and I believe you're going to agree with me too, is absolutely miraculous. Instead of even calling it a Bible study, maybe what we should look at it as like God's incredible love story for us. His grace and His mercy has been set on you from the foundation of time. Um, how many of you are looking forward to summertime? Let me just ask you that. How many? Yeah, especially when you walk outside and it's 50 degrees, right? Um, I'm looking forward to summertime, and summertime has always been, for me, one of my favorite times, especially when I was a kid. Uh, many of you know, some of you may not know, that I grew up in Hawaii, and uh, every summer I would fly to the mainland, and I would get with my mom, my biological mom, who lived over here, and we would just go do road trips. And you got to understand, doing a road trip was amazing to me. Because in Hawaii, when you do a road trip, it's called a three-and-a-half-hour circle. That's all it is. It's on a big old island. You come right back where you started. But over here, you just can go on and on and on. And so when we would get together, she would hand me something. Now, if you're under the age of 20, you're going to have no idea what this thing is. It's called a map. <clears throat> it was paper. You unfolded this thing, and it showed you roads and states. And, and, and she would allow us to do the navigating, which was crazy because we did. Again, I'm from Hawaii. What do I know? But you, you use this to get to where you were supposed to go, right? Today, your maps talk to you, right? <laughs> It's, it's, it's what, Google Maps or what are some of the other ways? I like to use ways and, and, it, and it'll even tell you. You don't even have to look at the thing. It just tells you what to do, right? In 0.2 miles, make a left-hand turn. And then you make a right-hand turn and start screaming at you. How many of you does that? But, th but what happens is, is that we now today, because of the newest technology, we look at the old technology as outdated, as no longer relevant. How many of you know maps are still relevant? When your phone goes dead, how many of you know your map is still relevant? And it was the old map that got us to where we are today, right? You know, he, he, this is where I'm going. I think sometimes as Christians, when we pick up God's word, I find that there's a tendency, what I see most of the time is that people go straight to the New Testament. The Old Testament is good. It's nice. You know, it's kind of useful, but that's for back then. This is my ways today. This is my Google Maps today. But let me, let me say something very clearly. God's Word is living and active. The Old Testament and the New Testament is extremely important because when you start to look at some of the Old Testament things, you see God's design from the beginning of time and how His heart has been set on you for all of eternity. You know, in a month's time, and it still blows me away, it's already happening, we're going to be celebrating Easter. 
First Sunday of April is going to be Easter. And I encourage you guys to, even now, begin praying about who you might invite to our Easter services. Maybe you can invite someone who typically won't go to church and they're going to be able to hear the message of Jesus Christ's love for them. But something really important happens before Easter. And it's something that's found in the Old Testament. And it's called the Passover. The Passover is something that as we look at it, and I hope you'll discover today, you'll see how God has had a plan for you, specifically you, from generations ago. In your notes, you can see it says this, From the crisis of the fall in the Garden of Eden, God set forth a plan of redemption that we might have our sins forgiven and be brought into a life-giving relationship with Him. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we see God unfolding his redemption plan. And that's so true when it comes to the Passover. As we'll look at the Passover today, what you're going to see is that it points to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How the Passover of yesterday was a forebear to the God's amazing grace for you. So if you would this morning, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be reading out of there, Exodus chapter 12. And as you do that, uh, let me help kind of reset the, the, the backdrop of what's going on. Uh, how many of you have ever watched one of the Moses movies? Like, Out of, out of Egypt? Wasn't that a movie? No. Prince of Egypt? Whatever it was. How many, who has a child in here? Okay. Prince of Egypt. That's what it was. There's been all kinds of movies. I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but let, let, me, let me reset it for you. Israel has been under the incredible, brutal authority of Egypt for for years now. Joseph had moved his family to Egypt, and then over time, Egypt um, began to subjugate the, the Israelites. They became slaves. Think of the most brutal conditions of slavery, and that's what you would have discovered in Egypt at that time. And yet... Even underneath this incredible bondage, Israel was growing in numbers and in strength. Even under bondage, let me say that again, Israel was growing in power and in strength. How many of you know this? That's called God's favor. That even as the slave, even under subjugation, even under bondage, they were still able to thrive as a nation. While circumstances might have been tough, they were still growing. And what was true for Israel is true for you today. You may be under some tough circumstances. You may find that there's a certain bondage in your life. But how many of you know this? God's favor is upon you because you can still continue to grow. God's favor is upon you because he's building something within you. Just as he's building within something within Israel that at the right time would come to fruition, he's building something in you today. So here's this this people that's growing in numbers. And the first Pharaoh of Egypt, he said that we got to do something about these people. And his decision was this. The firstborn male of every family, as they were born, they were supposed to be thrown into the Nile and killed. Brutal. Brutal. Yet Moses' mother hid him in in, 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 in a basket and put him in the Nile and sent him down the Nile. Wild. Who do you think found him? Pharaoh's daughter. Of all people, it's Pharaoh's daughter. And where you would think Moses' story would have come to an end at that point, it was just beginning. 
Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter as her own. Now, Moses grows up. He's very powerful. And he's beginning to get a stirring within him over what he sees. He sees his own people being subjugated and beaten. And in fact, one day he walks out and he sees an Egyptian soldier beating another Israelite. And in his anger, in his furious anger, he kills the Egyptian soldier. See, there had been something stirring in him. And when passion, he acted out. And he did what every brave man ever does in the history of all of manhood. He runs. <laughs> He's in trouble. And he, and he runs. How many of you are so thankful that all of our heroes had a little bit of something in them that was weird? Okay. So he runs. And for 40 years, he's in the desert. For 40 years, there was a stirring that he had for his people. There was a stirring that he had for a mission to be accomplished. There was a stirring within him that he had an assignment. And for 40 years, that assignment didn't come to pass. How many of you have ever felt like God has given you an assignment? Something to do. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's a job, wherever it might be. And, and, and you're in that desert place today. Forty years he waited. Man, I have a hard time after four days waiting. How many of you are like me? Like when you sense a passion, a stirring that God has given you, you don't want it delayed. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> and I can feel that way. But imagine being Moses 40 years in the desert. And then God shows up and he does what only God can do. He gets Moses' um, attention in a really incredible way. Moses is walking. And through this bush... That's on fire. God speaks to Moses. And he says to Moses, he says, Moses, take off your shoes. For where you're standing is holy ground. How many of you know this? Every single God assignment that he gives to you, you're treading on holy ground. Every single time he speaks to you, every single time the Holy Spirit begins to move you to action, you've got to understand where you're standing. You're standing on holy ground because it's a holy assignment. So Moses goes back to Pharaoh, let my people go. And over a, a sequence of supernatural um, experiences that God plays out, supernatural plagues that would happen, it leads us to where we're going to talk about today. We get to the place where Passover becomes a part of the Jewish history. So let's start in Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 1. It says that while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. You may want to underline that at some point in your Bible. What is God saying here? He said, what I'm about to do is going to change everything. What I'm about to step into on your behalf and in your life, I even want you to rearrange your entire calendar. This day is that important. When I speak freedom into your life, when I bring you out of bondage, it's a day to remember. How many of you can relate with Israel <laughs> where you were in a place of bondage? Maybe it was a time where you were in bondage to sin. And when you were in bondage to sin, you were in bondage to death. And when you were in bondage to death, there was no life in you. And how many of you can remember that day, that day where Passover came for you? I, I believe that God would say, write that down. Refresh your memory with that time and time again. Because don't you know, when you recognize that you've moved from death to life, that's a good day. 
that no matter what you might be experiencing today, it all of a sudden doesn't mean that much because you've moved from death to life. I mean, your kid's room can be dirty and it don't matter. You know why? Because you moved from death to life. Some of you don't believe me, do you? You're like, no, they still going to clean their room. Um, it changes everything when we remember where we reset our entire future based upon the day that Passover happened in our life. We continue on. Verse 3, announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb. Just catch that. Say it out loud then. Choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice. One animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with what? No defects. It's important. The lamb that they chose could not have a defect in it. In fact, we're going to read here in a little bit where you take the lamb, you choose the lamb, and then you wait four days just to see if there was any defect in it because it had to be pure. It had to be pure. Is it making a connection anywhere yet? It had to be pure. Six, verse six says, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. Because, listen, salvation is going to come through the blood. You're going to be saved if your house has the blood. Your family is going to be saved if it has the blood, your redemption is going to occur because of the blood. How many of you know the same thing is true today? Our salvation, our future, the success of our family, the success of anything we do is going to come because of the blood, the blood of Jesus. Said in verse seven, uh, verse eight. Now, that same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. It says, do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. How many of you are glad they don't serve that at Shomars? <clears throat> Verse 10. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. Verse 11. I don't want you to miss this, okay? Don't miss verse 11. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Read this sentence with me. Eat the meal with... With what? Why, why, why did you have to come to this meal with a sense of urgency? Because of this. Because when God frees you, you don't delay to go walk into freedom. When God comes and lifts bondage off of your life, you don't dilly-dally around. You move. The moment the chains come undone, you move. As soon as the bondage is done, you move. As soon as the mountain has been moved, you move. He said, you remember that when I save you, you walk into the freedom that I've given you. And let me tell you, I think... I think for too many, 
We give our lives to the Lord. We still kind of keep one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world. Jesus is saying, no, you move. You don't, you don't wait around. You, you what? You move. This, this old way of living, this old stuff is gone. Behold, all things are the new. It's time to move into the new place. Don't, 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 don't keep your loyalties to your yesterdays when God is moving you into your tomorrows. It says that in verse 13. But the blood on your doorpost, I'm sorry, verse 12. We'll go to verse 12. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son of firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. And I will execute judgment against all other gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking this house that you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is the day to remember. Each year, from generation to what? To generation. You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. From, I love that. From generation to generation. Say it with me. From generation to generation. You are to tell the next generation of the goodness of who I am. You're to tell the next generation that I am the God who saves. I am the one who has delivered you. You tell the next generation. We have been given a mandate. He said that this law that I'm telling you, it's not just for part time, right? It's not just an Old Testament thing. What's he saying? It's a New Testament thing. We all have a responsibility to be speaking from generation to generation. Are you speaking forth the salvation that you've had from generation to generation. Man, because there's power in them knowing where you've been. There's power in that next generation knowing what you've seen. And there's power in the next generation having experienced the same freedom that you're experiencing today. So, verse 28. Oh, we'll go to that later. I'll let you read that on your own. God moves. He does exactly what he said he would. And what you can see in verse 30 is Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. And there was not a house where someone had not died. Passover had come. Israel was free. And so are you. Isn't that good? So good. So let, let, let's look at the Hebrew point of view. Here's some stuff that happened because of Passover. Write this down. We're going to go real quick through it. The first thing that Passover meant for the Hebrews was this, atonement, that they were atoned for. The slaughtered lamb redeemed the people by becoming a substitute for the Israelites, firstborn. So they, went, they received atonement, then they received purification. They became a people who were pure. Because of that unblemished lamb that was the substitute for them, for their atonement, now they were a people of purity and also a people of rescue. They experienced atonement, purification, rescue, and finally exodus. They received exodus. We might say freedom. They experienced freedom. So we as believers in what Christ has done, how many of you know we pretty much just experienced all the same things as them, right? Atonement purification, right? Rescue, exodus, exodus from sin and death. We have experienced everything that they have experienced. Why? Because what God was showing through the Passover was a prelude to the cross. 
He was saying, what I'm establishing here, way back in the Old Testament, the fulfillment is yet to come. This is only stage one. This is only the first part of the show. The second part of the show is coming, and it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. So listen, what we see here is how powerful this was to the Jewish people at that time, and even today. In fact, there are many individuals who are um, Israelites, Jews, Hebrews, that have come to know Jesus as Messiah because of the Passover. It was because of what they seen in the Passover that caused them to give their hearts to Yeshua, who they would call Yeshua, or we would call Jesus. In fact, we have a, um, an individual that worships over at the uh, the um, Cornelius campus. Howard Primer is his name. His family is Jewish, and in fact, he comes from the line of Levi. And the Levites would have done all the, 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 the religious ceremonies at the time. Pastor Farrell had an opportunity to talk with him this week, and I want you to see how impactful the Passover was for Harold. Would you look at this, Howard? I'm here today with my friend Howard Primer, who uh, is of Israelite descent. Actually, interesting. Um, if you trace your family heritage back of the tribe of Levi, mm-hmm. so it would have been your ancestors that would have kind of directed the worship in the temple. Um, you're part here of a grace covenant family. And as you know, I always love talking with you about the Torah and the law and the culture. But today I, I want I want us to interact a little bit about the Passover and really how you came to faith in the Messiah and even connecting the Passover to the crucifixion of Christ and resurrection. So talk with us a little bit about Passover and really how that opened your eyes to the faith. I think if it weren't for the Passover and the importance of Passover to the Hebrews, I don't know that I would have come to faith. But when I was searching and I was reading and I was trying to find my faith, I could not deny the power of the four spring festivals proclaimed by the Lord to Moses back in Exodus and the actual events that led to the crucifixion of Christ. So, Jesus, Yeshua, came into the city of Jerusalem on the very day that we were told in Scripture to pull our sheep out of our flock and to make sure that for the next four days you examine them to find out if they are, in fact, having any flaws or sin. It's no coincidence for me that when I read what we call the Last Supper, I was reading about a Seder that I had celebrated my entire life and still celebrate with great joy, now with fuller understanding. So the first of the spring festivals is Passover. But the second of the spring festivals proclaimed in Exodus to Moses is called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And the Festival of Unleavened Bread and the importance of leaven is that you're trying to identify and remove sin. So the unleavened bread is critical when you understand that that's the very moment that Christ is put in the, in the tomb. The third of the spring festivals is called the Festival of First Fruits. And this is the one that's really powerful because the Festival of First Fruits and what we know the Son of God to be, the first fruit, took place on the third day following Passover. So the first fruits of the resurrection. That's exactly right. Wow. And finally, the fourth of the spring festivals called for all the way back when Moses was talking to, to the Lord was what we call Shavuot, what we now call Pentecost, 
which happened 50 days after Passover, tied to Passover, all of those events, and in the importance of that to me was that day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when I was finally able to have a direct relationship with God through Christ. Never before did I have that experience. Never before did I have that expectation. So you have four spring festivals, all tied to Scripture, all pointing out exactly what the importance of that moment in Jerusalem was, what Christ's role was, and why it changed my life. So what was established back in the book of Exodus, really with the Passover, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, was almost to the detail exactly fulfilled with the coming of Jesus Christ, who became the Passover lamb. Absolutely, and it answered my question because I heard, I read the Sermon on the Mount, and in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most profound things that was said to me was, I'm not here to abolish the, the Torah, the law, or the prophets. I'm here to fulfill it. And so the question was, what does fulfillment mean? And there, in the four festivals, the four most important of the festivals, there are only seven important festivals to the Lord, four in the spring, three in the fall. Those four in the spring are identical with the exact story of Yeshua. Wow. And so we see the fulfillment that Christ came to fulfill the very law that was stated, um, which then, I mean, you see all of these pieces coming together. So talk with me a little bit about, for the children of Israel, uh, there was the 400 years of bondage, slavery, and there was exodus to freedom. Right. Um, And it happened through the Passover, uh, the blood that was shed placed over the doorpost. How do you see Christ being the one who brings us uh, out of slavery to freedom? Kind of the exodus. Well, for me, the importance of that is the blood. All of the other things that that the Lord worried about and made the Pharaoh experience, none of them had to do with blood, except in the in the river. But the blood over the door saving the firstborn child meant that it was a form of saving by virtue of the passing of blood. And that's really critical because the Passover Seder talks all about that, how the blood is available, why the wine is an important feature of that because it's a red wine. You're supposed to be identifying it with the blood. Why the first, what we know to be the Last Supper was a Seder and the glasses of wine were an important part of that. So it's the blood and of course, Passover, Exodus, all tied together and reunite through the identity of Christ. So then we see, even as there was the shedding of the blood of the Lamb in the book of Exodus that brought salvation for the household, uh, so we see through Christ the Passover Lamb as his blood was shed, forgiveness for mankind, Exodus from bondage into a new freedom, that Christ has for us. I think that's what's so exciting. We began to see the Old Testament and the New Testament not separate, but really connected, and that we have this foreshadowing of an event that was to come as Christ came as the Passover lamb. And which makes Passover the most important holiday for the Hebrew people and for the Christian people. Absolutely. And even more so, I know you and I talk a little bit about Easter, but it's really the Passover that's so significant. It was for the Israelites back in the book of Exodus. 
and even for us today, because it was on that day that Christ, the Passover lamb, was slain. And just like in the book of Exodus, as my family sits down at Passover time and has four glasses of wine and talks about the story, they are still enjoying the freedom that came from the blood over the doorpost. And as we sit here and have this conversation today, we're still enjoying the passing of the blood of Christ on that day. And the freedom we have. It's that that we celebrate. Well, thank you so much, Howard, for bringing this to light for us, kind of connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. Your insight, I know, is so valuable for me and for our Grace Covenant family. So thank you for taking time to be with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, how God has been pointing consistently to the Son, even in the things that occurred in the Old Testament. That's why I know that today was more, maybe more of a Bible study than it was preaching that we are typically accustomed to. I thought it was important that you and I, especially as we enter into the Easter season, that we can see how God's plan has been just steadily moving forward. And how many of you know this too? That God has more to His plan. That what He accomplished in Passover was part one. What Jesus did was part two. And how many of you know part three is coming when He returns again? As the ushers make their way down, we want to take communion at this time. And as we do, my hope for you would be that as this is being distributed, you would spend time with your Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if I can be so bold, might I even encourage you to ask Him something specifically. There may be individuals in here today who are experiencing something in their life. And you're wondering if God is going to show up. How many of you know in Scripture it tells us time and time and time again that God's heart is for you. That He's for you. That He's with you, that He will never leave you, and He'll never forsake you. And just like we dealt with a delay, Moses did, just like there was a delay even between Passover and what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you may be feeling a season of delay right now in your life. Not ask you to allow the Holy Spirit just to speak peace to you right now. I believe this, and I know this, and so do you. He wants to speak to you. I pray that he would speak peace and hope and future. Would you spend some time with him right now?
light of all that we've discovered this morning, I'd like to read out of Luke chapter 22, verse, starting in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it at? They asked. And he replied, As you enter into the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is this guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left, and they found the things just as Jesus had told them. And it's good to know that you will always find the things prepared just the way that Jesus has told you. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's take it in remembrance of him. Lord, you are good. mind-boggling to see how you have set up salvation for us even even so far back as the days of Moses. Lord, that your salvation wasn't just for the Jews at that time, but Father, it was for us today as well. How amazing you are. How holy you are. How thankful we are. How blessed we are. And God, I pray that every single one of us in here today, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred by your grace. That God, as we reflect on our yesterdays and what you've done in the present, but as we look to the future, God, we may see that you are faithful, that you are good, that, Lord, our best days are yet before us. Because, Father, you move, you move, you move. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are content by you, satisfied in you, moved by you. Lord God, because we have been pursued by you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And let's close today with worshiping the one who loves you so much. Would you stand with me today? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.